0: What up, what up? Spax attack fans. It is opening day. Opening day. Gotta give a shout out to my Rays. Gotta give a shout out. Hey, if you like baseball, if you don't like baseball, hit the like button. Support us as we support you guys. And welcome to the Spax Attack. Let me bring my man Chris Ketchy in here.
1: Hey, what, what what's going on, brother? How are we doing today? You know, I was listening in, Spencer and Brent talking some NFT plays. Guys, if, if you don't have Benzinga Pro, this is why you need it, because we reach out to the companies. So you're hearing, you know, a lot of companies uh, attached to the NFT space, and we reach out and we say, hey, what's going on? Are you guys doing NFTs? Or are you working on it in the future? And we usually get comments back. So it's right there in Benzinga Pro. And you know, shout out to Funko, the one that I called out a couple months ago, you know. But again, they had already said they were working on NFTs, and today that press release is out. Um, I am long shares of Funko. That's my my long-term NFT play because I believe you know it helps uh grow their business that they already have existing. So enough about NFTs. Smash the like though. Brent from the news desk joining Spencer to to talk, you know, what's going on. And again, guys. Benzinga Pro is where it's at.
0: Like always, like always, guys. So one of the things that we definitely are going to be paying attention to is some of the battery play earnings, so I definitely want to talk a little bit about that, but we'll get into that when we get into our headlines. Later today, we got a great interview, guys. I don't know if you guys are pouring up, but I might be on Vintage Wine Estates here, guys. Going to be with us around 11, 15, 11, ish so let's go ahead and let's get into our headlines of the day. I know that you got
1: us, Chris, so take us back. Yeah, guys. So, you know, Thursday today, market is closed tomorrow for Good Friday. So today feels like a Friday and, you know, there isn't a ton of news out there. We also did not get any deal announcements, but let's get through those headlines that we do have, Um, you know, before we dive into our watch list and that interview. So some price targets out there, we have former SPAC uh, Clarivate, that's ticker CLVT. Uh, Getting a $30 price target and a buy rating from Jeffries. This is one of the better performing SPACs of 2020. Um, You know, it's been over $20 for for a while. Um, You know, we talked about it during our March SPACness tournament, and it was one that I wanted to dive more into. So nice uh, price target and initiation here. Then we have uh, PLBY, better known as Playboy you know, got the SPAC deal done earlier this year. It, it's also being linked as an NFT play, getting a $28 price target and a buy rating from uh, Concord out there. So, you know, interesting that Playboy is actually, you know, one of the better performing uh, SPACs post-merger um, in 2021. So again, you know, keep an eye on this one. Uh, strong brand recognition, obviously, Licensing power, and then you know, as I said, and I have uh, you know, written an article about that, they, they are working on NFTs and believe that they have you know valuable content there, um, going forward. And then, uh, Fisker FSR, which I am long shares, getting an equal weight $17 price target from Barclays. You know, Fisker's had quite the run in 2021, it, it has come down, so it looks like Barclays, you know, calling this on. You know, valuation, $17 price target. You know, for me, Fisker is more of a, a long-term story. They're they're pre-production right now. They they need to get that first vehicle out, but they do have that exciting partnership with Magna International to, to help make those vehicles. So no concerns there from me. And we'll see what Fisker has in store for the rest of the year. Uh SBG, which is merging with Owlet. We, of course, had the founder of the company on our show. This is the uh the, the smart technology for, for babies. They appointed the former CEO of Livongo to the board of directors. So Livongo is a telehealth company. Um, so to me, that, that's a great addition there, right? When we had him on, he talked about you know expanding into other areas and to wear that smart sock uh, monitor on the baby's ankle you can uh, you know now be able to connect that directly to the the health charts and you know if if you need to you can call a doctor and get that telehealth platform going directly from your home where they can see and monitor you know all those all those stats. so to me that's a very key addition and i think we see more from the company in that space going forward. so keep an eye out on this one guys if it's not already on watch, then we have Ride R I D E, Lordstown Motors. They unveiled two uh, beta endurance pickup trucks. Again, this company has been hit, um, you know, by some short reports and some concern. They did show off pictures of those endurance pickup trucks. For for me, I'd like to see you know the production kick in. I'd like to see the the actual order numbers because again, there was some concern over you know which were hard orders versus just letters of intent. So let's keep an eye out on R I D E. One of the big movers today is QS, so that's QuantumScape, a uh, pre-revenue battery company. So shares are trading higher after they announced that they met a technical milestone that was the condition for a $100 a $100 million additional investment from Volkswagen Group. So Volkswagen's been a backer of QuantumScape, but but part of investing further into them was hitting a milestone QuantumScape hitting that milestone, so getting an additional hundred million dollars in equity from the company. Um, you know, so so keep an eye out. Um, you know, on that one again. This company is several years away from revenue, um, but it's got some big backing and big names. We have VLDR Velodyne Lidar uh, also moving higher today. They announced a multi-year agreement with AGM Systems. Uh, to use the LiDAR sensor in unmanned aerial vehicle mapping solutions. Um, I'm not as familiar with AGM systems, but it sh- uh, looks like people are you know, liking that news with VLDR trading higher. Um, and then we have THBR merging with Indy Semiconductor. I do own shares of THBR. Company was on mad money last night, and this is an interesting one, right? Because it's a, a semiconductor play. It's a chip play. So anyone who follows the news knows that we have a shortage of chips in the auto sector. So Kramer and the CEO really dove into how is Indy going to help, you know, bridge that gap and help with the chip shortage that we do have. So, you know, impressive, uh, you know, interview there and THBR trading higher on that news. Then XL, so XL Fleet, um, they announced earnings last night. So uh, earnings per share. Uh, minus 0.06, which actually beat an estimate of minus 0.09. Sales of 10.9 million coming in shy of a $12.1 million estimate. And then the big disappointment again was uh, first quarter sales they see of $1 million. So this turns into another former SPAC that merged. And once those first earnings come out, they come in way different than what was projected in that investor presentation. So XL falling on the news. Um, This is one that I owned pre-merger when it was PIC. We had that run up in the 30s and $40. I I sold in that range. Um, This one has just gotten hammered since that deal went through. And again, this is an electrification play, but this has also been the target of short reports and questions about those orders and, and letters of intent. So. For that reason it, it makes me want to want to stay away at this time but I do think there is some value as an electrification play with that you know Biden infrastructure plan that we did get more news on and then speaking of you know Biden, we, we turned to our movers. So we, we did have that one deal yesterday, LATN for Pro Caps, up 0.1% on the day. But some of our big winners yesterday were what we call the charging infrastructure companies. So CHPT up 19%, SNPR up 5%. CLII up 10% and TPGY up 7%. I do own shares of CHPT and SNPR. I want exposure to charging infrastructure in my portfolio. Uh, again, you know, we talk electric vehicles, charging infrastructure—the the thing behind the thing that we say here at Benzinga. And, and you know, I think they're companies that could benefit, uh, you know, drastically from the increase in electric vehicles, and then also Biden's plan for more charging stations throughout the U S and then diving into some numbers. So, and some stats. So we talk SPACs, we, we talk how there's oversupply, right? I, I haven't shied away from saying, you, you know, we have too many new specs coming out. We have some bad deals being announced. We we need this to correct, right. To get some interest back in the spec market, get some good deals done and, you know, get some, some good, you know, SPAC returns for investors. And, I, I, I'm happy to say that yesterday there were no S1s filed, no new SPACs. We also had two SPAC IPOs canceled this week. Um, so I think that's positive, you know, in the oversupply issue. And then we have some stats out from our friend of the show, Julian Klamachko. So in March, we, we had a record set for a month with $33.1 billion raise from 110 IPOs. And for the first quarter, uh, we also set a quarterly record with 87.3 billion raised from 298SPAC IPOs. So those are some pretty big numbers. Um, you know and again both setting a monthly and a quarterly record here at the end of March. And then also I want to highlight the the deal inflow. So in January we had 17SPAC mergers announced. February 44 SPAC mergers announced, and March 33 SPAC mergers announced. We start a new month today of April. My guess is that we get less than 33 new deals this month. So I think that downward trend continues from that peak of February. Uh, you know, I'd like to see closer to 15 to 20 deals this month. Um, You know, maybe some good deals, but we do also have a lot of SPACs outstanding that need to get deals done or liquidate. So lots of things to think about. That's what I've got, Mitch. Uh, You know, we do have that vote for NPA on their merger set for today. But otherwise, calendar, you know, again, with the market being closed tomorrow looks pretty open. So that's what I've got for you. All right. All right. Hey, so
0: one thing I did notice that you talked about was you know, the infrastructure and the battery plays. Now, one thing that I, I want to note here, and, and I'm getting this really from kind of Morgan's note on Romeo Power, and it's something that I think everyone needs to pay attention to. So I don't think it's being spoken enough that today's supply problems might lead to a demand problem. And so one of the things that I want to stress is that, you know, for a long time, we thought that, you know, the potential for industry-wide battery problems and shortages um, could happen for like the next couple of years because of the kind of the material shortage. And and so one thing I'm noticing now is it could be faster than everyone thought. You know, I I think they they thought that Romeo Powers is at least going to be able to get things moving here. And, you know, one thing I noticed is that, pay attention to the other ones. I think they're going to run into some supply issues also. So it's not just Romeo power. That's probably fighting some supply issues in this market. Um, I, I, I noticed that, you know, there's some shortages, whether it be in a lot of places, the supply chains are messed up guys. So pay attention to that. I think that's, so vital for this industry, so vital for EV, because if the supply chain is going to have issues, if the supply problem leads to a demand problem, what's going to happen with these EV stocks? You can fill in that question for yourself, guys, Um, and, and it'll be interesting definitely to watch in the next couple of days. All right, guys. So one thing I want to get into is before we kind of move forward, there is some stocks that are up a significant amount today. So wanted to mention definitely we already mentioned uh, VLDR and QS, THBR, um, but also up about six percent. We got Silver Spike Acquisition SSPK here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put up the chart right quick, just for a quick second before we get to our interview. This one's interesting. You know, it's down near support, has bounced off of that 18
1: multiple times. What do you think about this one, Chris? Yeah, so SSPK, and I do own a small position in this. This is Weed Maps. And, and what are we getting? we're getting lots of positive cannabis news again, right? We just saw New mm-hmm. York. So, so so, to me, again, this is more of a thing behind the thing, right? You can own the growers, you can own the, the stores, or you can own a company, you know, like Silver Spike, that's going to work with a bunch of different companies and, and kind of connect it all. So to me, that's how I want to play it rather than picking and choosing. I want a company that's going to benefit from the overall growth of cannabis. So That's why I like the story. What do you you see on the chart there, Mitch? You're liking it? It looks like we're we're getting some support there.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, one thing I'd say is that that support there off at 18 is definitely holding well. Uh, Multiple days where it's touched it. This is the one-week chart, so you get to see it a little bit clearer here. Um, But I would definitely pay attention towards that 18 now. That 18 holds, it's still going to be looking good to get maybe back up there towards that 28. And like you mentioned, this could be a, a reopening play within itself, right? Because um, you know, maybe maybe you get demand to increase, um, and you and you're mentioning things that I'm watching. You know, state by state, if we keep getting to more legalized states, eventually I think federal turns. But it, it, state by state brings more revenue, just like it does in betting. So. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on these. Um, there's a couple companies that you could watch out in the New York market. I heard the Cannabis Insider boys talking about this, so shout out to the Cannabis Insider boys. If you guys don't watch Cannabis Insider, definitely watch that. If you're if you like these cannabis stocks, um, they mentioned Cure Leaf. Um, they mentioned also MedMen uh, has some uh, uh, c- kind of the market share in New York already with a, a Fifth Avenue store, or I think a, a very, very, very pricey store. So well, I'll keep an eye on those. And MedMen is one that I watched for a long time. It was a big debt, uh, kind of cash cow, uh, you know, and, that, and that's one that I'd watch out to see what happens with the debt to see if it can kind of clear that debt. But hey, we'll see what happens with these kind of cannabis companies and keep moving on. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into our interview for today, Chris. I'm excited to go ahead and pour up a little bit here, uh, but let's go ahead and let's get into
1: our interview. Yeah, you know, guys, super excited. Another exclusive interview here on Spax Attack. So joining us today, we have Pat Roney, the CEO of Vintage Wine Estates, and Mark Harms, the co-managing partner of Bespoke Capital. This is a merger tic- or a merger deal being done. Ticker is BSPE. Welcome, gentlemen, to the show.
2: Thank you Thanks very much, Chris.
1: Loving that lineup you have got behind you, Mark. That 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 <laughs> background looks a lot better than mine with the the wine there. So uh, it's due
3: diligence.
1: There, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there yeah you might go. have to go to Mark's house after
0: this. But uh, if only <laughs> we
1: could have done a, li- a live interview somewhere, you know, uh, for for this story, this would have been the one. We do some virtual tastings,
3: too. Yeah, you see? Ah, You see? I knew
1: it. I knew it. I'm looking forward to those. Hey, (laughs) if
0: anything, we might have to join the next virtual event. I know you guys have events also, not just tastings. So we'll definitely look forward towards that. I'm going to let Chris do some questions, and I'll be back with some of my own.
3: Great
1: all right guys so gonna try to get questions you know for both of you but feel free to jump in if if you have anything to comment you know for any of the questions so you know i i'm wondering if we can start with you pat uh just give us a, a brief background on vintage wine estates and what you're all about
2: the, the great thing because the, so vintage wine estates is we're a 200 million dollar revenue co- uh, company uh we're in the premium segment of the wine business we have over 50 brands we grown on our top line over the last uh, 10 years a 20% uh, 21% kager and a 24% kager on our EBITDA. we're a highly profitable company and we continue to look to to grow the business and we have a very strong uh, organic growth in our business and we do act a lot of acquisitions we average two to three per year and we anticipate uh, you know continuing to grow through through uh, premiumization, innovation, as well as uh, acquisitions. So we focus on wineries in California, Washington, and Oregon, and our business is highly diversified and that 30% of our business ships direct to consumer. 30% is with exclusive brands with our major retail partners in in the retail segment, and then 40% in the traditional wholesale market. So very well diversified company growing, going through the pandemic and uh, excited about continuing to uh, bring in new capital so we can make additional acquisitions.
1: Awesome. And then, Mark, you, you know, just give us a, a brief background on yourself and uh, Bespoke Capital here.
3: Sure. Uh, so uh, I've been a uh, private equity investor and merchant banker for way too many years, as you can tell by the lack of hair. Uh, the, it, we have a focus on leisure, consumer and supply chain. Uh, we are a unique firm in that we look for long hold investments. Uh, when, uh, we could, when we, we tried and we started out this, this, uh, our SPAC as a cannabis SPAC, that's why we listed it in Toronto. Uh, and we found it was almost impossible to find high quality targets, uh, to acquire to the, the point of your previous discussion. Uh, so we, uh, quickly pivoted. We are lucky in that we have Paul Walsh as our, uh, lead operating partner and the chairman of uh, our SPAC. Uh, Paul was the CEO of Diageo for 13 years. He and his team created over $80 billion of shareholder value during his tenure as CEO, and he built the world's largest spirits company. So when we decided to broaden our search beyond cannabis, wine was a very natural extension. And we were lucky enough to find Vintage Wine Estates. And we said, this is actually the perfect acquisition for us. We can add a lot of value to the business. My partner, Rob and I, have been investors in one of the world's largest wine closure businesses for the last six years. A company called Inventions about makes about three billion screw caps and uh, and corks uh, for the global wine industry. So we know a lot about the supply chain. We know the potential targets, uh, and it was really a perfect marriage. Uh, why do we invest? Why are we investing in, in vintage wine estates? We love the business in terms of its market position. Uh, it's in the most rapidly growing part of the wine industry, historic and forecast growth of around 6% organically. Uh, the company we're expecting to grow at 9 or 10% because of its strength in the direct-to-consumer business. In the uh, exclusive brands business, direct-to-consumer through COVID has been growing at north of 10%, uh, the exclusive brands business at around 25%. Uh, and uh, so we have a very powerful platform that the company's built Uh, in terms of its three-legged distribution stool. Uh, And because of the capital investments the company has made uh, into bottling and uh, and distribution, the company is extremely well-positioned to really grow its margins going forward. So we're expecting the company to grow at about 9% organically, another 9% or so through one acquisition per year. And EBITDA growing in the high teens uh, uh, organically and north of 30% with one acquisition. So compelling. And from a valuation standpoint, what we were able to do here is, with Pat, because we're all long-term shareholders, this is a 18-month lockup. Nobody's selling any shares uh, other than a small amount going to existing shareholders. You know, we've priced this at, uh, at 13, less than 13 times next year's EBITDA and 21 times on a PE basis. And nobody's talking about earnings for SPACs these days. This is a real company with real cash flow, very strong uh, growth potential. And you measure it up against Duckhorn, the main competitor. And Duckhorn is trading at a 21 and a half times EBITDA multiple next year and a 45 PE. So uh, in my mind, it's pretty simple as to which one you buy.
1: Awesome, Mark. You know, you you hit several of my questions that I had for, for later on. You already knocked them out of the park. Um, You know, so we'll circle back to some of those. But great, you know, thesis into the investment in vintage wines. You you know, I turn over to you, Pat. So you you have this company and, you know, you could do several things with it. You could keep it, you know, um, you know, private. You could go public via traditional IPO or you can go public via SPAC. Why the decision to, to do a SPAC merger and now?
2: Well, that's a a great question. you're absolutely right on all three of those alternatives. And we evaluated all three of the alternatives. We've been looking at taking the company public for probably uh, four four years or so. And we actually talked to several other SPACs and we hired Cowan and company to to get us up to do a traditional IPO. And then we met the Bespoke team last August and there were a lot of very very intriguing things for us. One, the, the the size of their the size of their spac in terms of matching up to put us back at a you know basically a zero, zero net debt position on a go forward basis. And then the team, the, the, the people on the team with Paul Walsh on there, there was 13 year run creating 80 billion dollars of shareholder value at Diageo, and it was really we're running a page out of his playbook, which was you know growth through premiumization, growth through innovation and acquisition. And then Mark and uh, Rob you know, had a six year plus investment in Inventions, one of the world's largest uh, closure companies in the wine industry. So they understood the industry. They had a lot of contacts with it and very, very strong in the financial and capital markets. And it just made a, a lot of sense to me and a great marriage. And you know, as, as one of the major shareholders and somebody not going to sell for at least three, four years, I wanted long term partners. And, I wanted uh, the opportunity to continue, you know, to grow our company. And, and uh, it's a very it's, 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 at some point, you know, you, you, even though I've been running the company as my own personal LBO shop well, over the last 10 years, you, know, you, you need more equity to continue to grow. And, you know, we're 200 million in revenue now. I see no reason why we can't get to 500 million in revenue very shortly and a billion dollars in revenue. And So that's uh, it was a great opportunity to get the capital and continue to grow the company.
1: Awesome. And, you know, sticking with you, Pat, we, we talk acquisitions, you, you know, and I heard Mark mention it, too, you know, talking about doing your kind of pricing in for one a year going forward. So you, you've grown a lot through acquisitions uh, doing, you know, more than 20 here listed in the the press release. Why are acquisitions so important to the business going forward,
2: Pat? Well, you know, the acquisitions, uh, you know, again, with, with, without acquisitions, we continue to grow at high single digit, digits at uh, you know, eight, eight to 9% growth. And that's that's a nice little growth rate in and of itself. The, the industry is consolidating. And, and we, won, we felt that uh, while we've got a financial plan that says just one acquisition per year, we're, we're, we're probably gonna do two to three acquisitions per year. That's our history. And it just allows the company to grow even faster and become more important in the marketplace and all the segments that we do and uh, we, we we think uh, we've been able over the last 10 years with 20 acquisitions we've we've proven that we can do roll-ups and we understand how to do it and we think that it's just a, an additional lever and an opportunity for us and we're very disciplined when when we look at it we don't chase 20 22 times uh ebitda uh, high flyers where you have to increase your business three to four hundred percent to even think about a return we look work for opportunities where the seller thinks that they're selling at eight to twelve times multiple of EBITDA, but we know on a post-close basis it's going to be four to six times because we consolidate, we take out uh, consolidate the production, we buy dry goods better, we you know we take out the G&A and, uh, and and we put on our own wholesale and marketing team. So it really creates uh, great value for us and great value for our shareholders, and uh, it, it's working for us, and so we're going to.
1: Awesome. So, you know, Mark, turning back to you, you, you mentioned some of the thesis for the reason for investing in vintage wine. Mm-hmm. You know, as a SPAC, you you have your choice, lots of different companies. The the thing that I saw that struck me was not only the acquisitions, but uh, it looks like expansion plans. So expanding the production capacity, you know, to 15 million cases up from 7 million with a high speed bottling line investment and in new warehouse and distribution centers there's that slide there can can you walk us through that mark how big of a role did this expansion plan from vintage wine you know play into the spac merger deal
3: it was important to us because the company uh, uh, unlike a lot of lbos the company actually is investing in its business for growth and the platform that they created with this expansion of the bottling capacity in the warehouse means that we we as the public shareholders are gonna benefit from that, right? We're gonna see a very rapid increase in our EBITDA margins and our gross margins as a result of that expansion. The company has increased its uh, its EBITDA margins by almost 5% over the last uh, uh, few years. And we expect another 5% as a result of uh, the work that the company's done from a CapEx standpoint. Putting us at truly best in class in terms of the industry uh, from a margin standpoint. And you know, we think that that platform you can add a lot of businesses to. We know that MA is tricky and can be tough. We've been involved in rollups that have worked and rollups that haven't. And part of history is a great judge of the future. And what Pat does is he buys brands, inventory, in certain cases assets, but not necessarily uh, fixed assets, plant and equipment, uh, a winemaker. And overhead that matters. the rest of it just goes away. So you know you can very quickly get, uh, capture a lot of synergies and you put it on the platform and you drive on. The company has over 50 brands. Uh, there's not one brand that is 70% of revenues like some of the competitors. Uh, we like that. We think that that diversification is great. And you know it's one of the things that attracted us to the business.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you, you just mentioned price points. Um, you know, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask, you know, so Pat, you've got, you know, 50, over 50 brands, you've got a price range of $10 to $150. Um, you know, why, why focus on so many different areas of the, the wine market in terms of uh, price
2: yeah, so the one area we don't really play in is, is the value category, the sub ten dollar category, because we just don't we don't think you can make margins at it. And it's just a very competitive category. So we we like and it's also a category that's not growing. It's actually declining. So we like being in the premiumization category. And we like the fact of having multiple brands really diversifies our risk. We don't have any, any single brand that's more than 12 percent of our, our revenue. Uh, so if one brand slows down a little bit, we've got plenty of others. And so we've got a, a multifaceted distribution um, base to, to go after the business. And we have a lot of diversification through through the types of brands at various price points that we have and various wine styles. And so it adds a lot of diversity uh, for us and, and it de-risks the company.
3: And the company has long-term relationships with some of the largest retailers in the country, Costco, Albertsons, Kroger, target and they partner with them and they provide them with exclusive brands but also the ability to sell additional brands right so you know it leads to more shelf space and you know as you look at this growth opportunity through through scale and distribution you can see that you know in kroger we have a couple of us of, of major skus they want more so does target there's probably a million plus case opportunity for the company uh, off of a base of of two million just expanding what we currently have with these customers. They are desperate for innovation. And Target, for example, the company created this new brand, Photograph, which just got launched, and anybody who's near a Target that sells uh, alcohol, you should go check it out. Uh, we expect that to be quite a large brand. And it's exclusive to them for a period of time. And then we have the ability to take it nationally. Uh, they did that with Bardog very successfully. Uh, and so it's another one of those legs on the stool that we think is is really powerful. and. You know, we have the ability to, to market virtually all of our brands on a direct-to-consumer basis, you know, unlike the spirits industry where you can't sell directly, you have this three-tier system. Great news about wine, you can go direct to consumers in 46 states in the United States. And The platform that this company has built is unique. Most of the other winery companies, they're lucky if they have 10% in terms of direct-to-consumer, and most of that's coming from a tasting room that was closed for the last 12 months. So. Our guys actually grew the uh, the, the direct to consumer business by ten percent plus during COVID, with half the, uh, the the business closed, which tells you the power of the diversification approach.
1: Yeah, awesome. That that sounds great. With that that Target deal there, I'll I'll have to check that out. Uh, Mitch, what what do you got? I know you want to hop in with some questions here.
0: Yeah. So one thing I was looking at is, you know, is looking at some adjacent opportunities here being mentioned in the investor presentation. So, of course, you know, what stands out to me here on the right hand side is <laughs> when federally legal, but uh, of course, cannabis infused beverage. Can you tell me a little bit more about what are you guys thinking about this market um,
3: and how do you guys see it growing? so we we know a lot about this space right given we we looked at over 100 cannabis companies uh and then we looked at a large a large number of consumer companies cpg businesses as well and you know the company has 1100 licenses liquor licenses we do not want to jeopardize those so we're not going to play in legalized cannabis until it's federally legal or decriminalized and you know having said that uh terry wheatley the president of the company is the chairwoman of the second largest cannabis business in California, they already have formulations ready to go. Uh, and so we can be a leader, not just a fast follower in the cannabis infused alcoholic beverage space. Uh, the company in terms of innovation, and it was the slide before, uh, has introduced uh, a wine cocktail called, called Gaze that's doing extremely well on QVC. Innocent uh, is a, no, uh, a low slash uh, no alcohol, uh, beverage that is being introduced with HEB in Texas. So, you know, the company has a lot of experience around innovation and routes, innovative routes to market to really drive this continued growth.
0: Yeah, definitely. And also, I, I saw mentions on there, and maybe Pat could add a little bit. Um, you guys seen the transition of kind of the Seltzer move. Are, are you guys thinking about stepping in here, at least with, with kind of Seltzer's?
2: Yeah, uh, in terms of the seltzer category and and back early on in my career for the baby boomers, I developed Seagram's wine cooler and took it from zero to 20 million cases. And what we saw in that category was the same thing that I believe we're going to see in the seltzer category where there was a proliferation of brands, 60 to 70. And then it ultimately, you know, within a couple of years, collapsed to one or two major brands. And I think that's going to happen in the hard seltzer category. It's a very expensive category to get into. So on seltzers, the only thing that we really will do is if one of our exclusive label uh, customers wants, wants their own brand, we'll do that for them. Otherwise, we're actually more focused on perhaps the hard cider category, which we see as a slower grow, growing category, but a very significant in volume. And, and that's a great platform to get into the ready to drink and a lot of things that the millennials are looking at with flavors and, and single serve kinds of things. So we'll look at that shoulder of the wine industry a, a little bit more closely and of course the cannabis infused beverages when it becomes legal to do it.
0: All right so I got one more question here. It's also based a little bit about what you were already talking about mark but um, you know the ways that you guys win here. Um, so one thing that definitely stands out to me on the direct to consumer side is how you mentioned uh, QVC uh, QVC. Can you explain me a little bit more about how that actually affects this area?
3: Sure. Well, so the company and I can't tell you the exact number because I I can't. But the company uh, and Kevin O'Leary just sold a whole bunch of wine on QVC. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, O'Leary Fine Wines is uh, one of the company's partners in uh, that aspect of DTC. And the company is, I think, by far and away, the market leader selling wine on QVC. And uh, so we we think that if you think about the direct to consumer, there's actually several legs to the stool. The first is. uh, is pure e-commerce. Cameron Hughes is the largest digitally native uh, e-commerce brand. Uh, tasting rooms. The company has fourteen tasting rooms, thirty-six thousand wine club members. A- another very powerful and very sticky group of people. The third is QVC with Kevin O'Leary uh, as the uh, uh, as the masthead, and he is uh, very excited about the business. Um, the the fourth uh, is uh, the company's ability to uh, expand into uh, telesales as well Uh, the 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 company does very well with windsor uh, which is the original telesales brand Uh, and then uh, you have the tasting rooms themselves Uh, and we expect the tasting room to come roaring back now that california uh, washington oregon are back open again
0: yeah, definitely. Um, can you uh, let us know a little bit more about the kind of the, the tasting rooms, Pat? And also, I did see kind of virtually even events. Um, I, I had that over here, but, you know, the virtual tasting events. So I might have to join in on one of those.
2: Well, we'd love to have you do that. That would be be great. And uh, yeah, so we, we all of our tasting rooms, we've got uh, 14 of them across the country, uh, across California, Washington and Oregon. And it's a great opportunity for consumers to come and try our wines. And now with the pandemic, we're doing virtual tastings with all of our different wineries and people are having a good time. And they they sign up to do the virtual tasting and we send out two to three bottles of wine that uh, that they get to taste and sample. And uh, we have our winemakers on and it's a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, we actually did that for forty five research analysts for an analyst day uh, earlier this week. Great fun and and very, very successful.
0: Hey, I like the idea. I might have to start getting into my wine. (laughs) Maybe we're
3: happy to do it with you guys if you, uh, you for for a group of your. uh, I was just going to say, we do Friday uh, unwinds.
1: It used to be happy hours in the office, um, but especially with so many people, both of us included, working from home, you know, maybe we should set this up for a Friday unwind at at 4 p.m. Eastern time to do a virtual wine wine tasting we, we would love that so
2: i I've got
1: i've got uh, one more question and then we're going to ask some questions from the chat that we so you know mark i i want to turn to you you said something earlier and i i want to touch on it we we talk about SPAC so much and there's been a lot of recent talk about lockups and expirations and you know uh investors selling out of these SPAC deals early. We saw a call yesterday from Andrew Sorkin on CNBC to actually extend the, the lockup period. You mentioned 18 months. I, I just want to get more more on that. Why 18 months? And why is that so important on the long-term success of a SPAC investment here?
3: Sure. So and, and, and I'll, I'll share with you a little bit of our views on SPACs generally. We think the economics are incredibly rich. We're used to private equity where you have an 8% hurdle rate that you have to clear before you make any money, and we're not used to this concept of twenty percent off the top and just with no performance hurdles. So we think that's going to change and going to change pretty rapidly, uh, and for the better for investors. Um, the uh, so, what are the important things from an investor standpoint to align interests? One is to make sure people aren't selling, and I think the 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 the, the sponsors of the Virgin Galactic SPAC merger literally six months and a day later, a bunch of stock came out. That's not us. You know, we thought it was extremely important to have the longest lockup in uh, the SPAC industry. And 18 months, uh, as far as all of our research shows, is the longest lockup. Now, we marry that with a deferred share component in our structure, uh, such that uh, Pat and the existing shareholders will receive additional consideration at 15 and at $20 per share. So they're totally aligned with the share uh, price going up and so the more our view is the more alignment you can create between the public market investors and the private market investors in a true merger fashion the better off everybody's going to be and you know we, we definitely see uh, you know this this SPAC mania I and mean, we we are i think suffering from the fact that this is a real company with real management real cash flow great growth prospects and is valued based on EBITDA and PE as opposed to some electrification play, where you might be lucky uh, to generate uh, some profits in twenty
1: twenty
2: seven. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, um, yeah. One thing I'd mention is that there's one thing that we definitely stress on Spac's attack, guys, is revenue, revenue, revenue. So <laughs> I appreciate you up. bringing and that up profitability. Yeah, that's, yeah that's profitability. A key I saw too
1: profitability. That <laughs> yeah. that we don't see that all the time in Spac land, you know. So again. Uh, this is BSPE. Want to get to some questions from the chat. So, so up first, um, you know, probably for you, Pat, and I don't know the answer to this, but uh, John Doe from the chat asking, do they have any partnerships with athletes? So, possibly talking about, you know, celebrity endorsements. Are there any wines that you have out there that have deals or any plans in the future?
2: well we always look at opportunities like that we currently don't have anything um with uh with an athlete or a celebrity along those you know the, within the the athletic space I mean, we do things with kevin o'leary at shark tank we do things with valerie bertinelli on food tv network uh, we did a licensing deal with uh which is you know since because it's off air right now but with uh, HBO and Game of Thrones. And so that was a great selling wine in in that kind of opportunity. So we'll we'll always certainly evaluate those and certainly uh, consider those opportunities. And um, just before I forget too, I should mention, since we were talking now, we've got the the open space to all the investors. One other interesting play that we do offer people that actually go out and buy uh, stock in the company um, is our, our wine passport program, where. People that are investors get a you know fifteen to twenty five percent discount off of ordering our wines directly, and they get access to all the VIP events at our various facilities. So it's another great reason why to you know go out and buy some uh, BSPE stock or ultimately BWE.
1: Awesome. So, uh, another question from the chat here from from Thomas, a, a loyal listener of our show. Uh, I'll turn and, and ask you, Mark. You mentioned you know that the pricing uh, kind of is for one acquisition a year. Sounds like Pat, you know, maybe more based on past history. But the question is about the geographic acquisitions. So, are they making acquisitions overseas? So maybe give us, you know, Mark, your thoughts on. You know, will we see lots of domestic acquisitions, international, both kind of what the mix is going to be forward-looking?
3: So this is the only CPG category that has over 10,000 participants in it, 10,000 wineries. Over half are independent. A recent Silicon Valley Bank study indicated that over half of those folks are gonna sell in the next 24 months. Why? Because most of them were reliant on wholesale, on the on-trade, which is basically restaurants, and a tasting room. They didn't have all of the diversification that we do. And they're realizing that this is kind of a hard business now. So there's going to be a golden age of acquisitions. In terms of focus, Pat likes to be within a two-hour flight of whatever he owns. So I think you can safely say it's California, Washington, Oregon. Uh, We don't really need or want to be in New York or Texas, much as they're great states. The wine art isn't that great.
1: <laughs> awesome, and then uh, a non-financial uh, or spec question again from Thomas in the chat. So, uh, asking, can Pat recommend a nice Chardonnay for happy hour tonight? <laughs> so, what do you got from that uh, portfolio of brands? Or looks like Mark's got one to grab there too. So, how about each of you give us, you know, a, a Chardonnay pick here for for Thomas.
2: Uh, well, Mark, yeah, Mark, Mark, luckily he he picked the Br Cone uh, Chardonnay, which is a great Chardonnay. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with the uh, Gerard uh, Gerard Chardonnay. It's a great, great, great Chardonnay out of one, one of which was our our first winery. But those are both great ones. And, and Cundia Estate Chardonnay, uh, Sonoma Valley, is another great one.
3: Yeah. So Br Cone was the Doobie Brothers manager for folks of that vintage, and there's a great. Uh, music festival every year, except during COVID there. Uh, so, and and fabulous wine.
1: Awesome. Well, we will have to keep both of those on our list for when we do that virtual wine tasting, um, hopefully in the future. So we'll, we'll look forward to setting that up. So, you know, uh, I want to thank both of you, you know, for taking time out of your busy schedule, joining us on the show again. So again, Vintage Wine Estates, we have Pat and Mark here, Going public with BSPE in a SPAC merger. Thank you both gentlemen for joining us on the show.
3: Thank you so much. You thank guys asked great questions. Well, and thank you. We appreciate
0: that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have you guys back, and and we'll probably have you for that virtual tasting. So looking forward Love to it. it. And there it looks like
1: go. the the chat enjoyed it, and looks like you might have some buyers out there for for Good. shares. So you know, Good awesome deal. interview, guys. Have have a great rest of the day. Have Thanks a so like guys. Thanks Take care. care. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Hey
0: guys, you guys heard it first here, guys. I, I I'm I might have to go to the store right now and get some wine tonight. <laughs> uh, talking so much wine got me interested. And Thomas, I can't blame you. A little Chardonnay, or or, or maybe a, a Pinot Noir, or or what what do you like, Chrissy? Are you a Merlot kind of guy?
1: Uh, You know, I'm more of a white wine kind of guy, you know, but I also enjoyed hearing more about, you know, the cider and the seltzer and that cannabis infused, you know, expanding beyond wine. You know, I've never been a big wine drinker. I actually, you know, have been, you know, getting more into that. But I, I came from, you know, here in Michigan, the craft beer side of things. Um, but, you know, I, I love the recommendations there. And, you know, the, the thing that jumped out for me was that that deal with Target. That sounded exciting to me, getting that exclusive wine in Target stores that they can really, you know, expand there. And then also they can take that brand nationally after that exclusivity runs out with Target. So, and it sounds like all those retailers, Mitch, that they want more wine from this company. That That's a bullish sign to me. So... Yeah,
0: you know, uh, I'm gonna have to take a look at these. But uh, you know, one of the good things is you can find them in just about. You saw all those stores that we yeah, mentioned. All those
1: stores! Holy cow! Those, it's those not those like are it's just in one names. store, two store, yeah. three. You stars, don't have to four, go, four, go to their five, winery six, to seven, buy it. Yeah.
0: Nah, and, and one of the things that I noticed is that uh, I think they're doing smart and not going by like let's say underneath that ten dollars. They're finding where the margins actually make yeah. money. And and, there, and, you, and you, one thing I can notice is that, uh, at least, I mean, this is strictly my opinion, but I, I don't see them as being focused as like, oh, we're just a wine company. We don't care about our revenue. <laughs> and, and and that's how you might find in the wine industry. Sometimes that's going to happen. There's going to be people that care so much about the product that they don't care about their revenue. It, it seems to me like they've gotten it down packed. They've brought in over 90 plus rating Wines so 90 yeah. wines, 90 bottles. It's not like they've had success in one, two, three. It's not barefoot with five, uh, five wines to their names. Uh, you 90 rated wines is, is not easy to get, guys. They got some of them rating as high as 96. 96 is pretty good, guys. I'll tell you that right now, anything over a 90 is pretty much like high, high class. like top of the line for, for wine. Um, so we're going to keep an eye on these. And, and one thing I, I mentioned, you know, even if you're not the, the kind of wine person, if you're like me, maybe back in the day, opening up some box wine and, and celebrating with the college boys, but Hey, I've had my time. I've moved on from that and I'm looking for some good wine. So I'm going to go to the store after this and and maybe get my fiance a nice bottle.
1: Yeah. You know, we, we talk SPACs, we we talk, you know, about a lot of these EV names, a lot of these pre-revenue names. Guys, you guys, you heard it here, right? Revenue growth organically and through acquisitions, profitability. That's a P word we don't hear all the time here on the show. And, and then that that 18-month lockup expiration, right? You know, we didn't really touch on that, but yesterday, you know, Andrew Sorkin on CNBC talking about, you know, making these these. Investors, you know, hold shares longer, even all the way out through their investor presentation estimates. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but six-month lockup, I think, is a little on the short side. You know, as uh, Mark alluded to with uh, Virgin Galactic, um, we obviously know, you know, what happened there. But 18 months, I I like that. And I think it shows, you know, a belief in this company's growth plan going forward. So, you know, there's a lot of, again, in my opinion, a lot of bullish signs here, you know, around this company and this SPAC deal.
0: All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into everybody's favorite time here. It's time for ticker time, guys. We got about eight minutes left, but I don't see Luke anywhere near here. So let's go ahead. Ticker time. All right, all right, guys. It's looking like everyone in the chat enjoying the talk, enjoying the talk. Talking about some craft beer, too. I can't blame you. I mean, I'm in Colorado. This is like the state of craft beer, but I want to get into that. But let's, let's go ahead and let's get into some stocks, guys. If you got something to, that you want to take a look at today, let us know in the chat and we'll start running through here. Kevin O'Leary, we're going to have to reach out with him, get a virtual wine tasting with these guys and, and sit back, relax. Y- you know, Kevin's a wine expert. So if he, he is, if I he is this company,
1: that comment from Carl is spot on. If Kevin O'Leary is involved, you know, and again, Kevin O'Leary does a lot of smart deals, but he, he knows his wine so
0: his, one of his favorite subjects yeah literally you could get this guy to talk hours and hours on just wine yeah so um you know he's not too much of a heavy drinker but if you talk about wine you'll see kevin o'leary get excited for sure yeah for sure so what uh, do we
1: got for tickers guys what what's let's out go there? let's go
0: let's see what we got of course qs i mean we we talked about qs already so i don't think there's really any need to go into qs i mean we already talked about what was there, but let's go into C L O V. Someone's still holding on to this. It seems like I-, I can't blame you. I mean, if you're if you're in it now, you're probably in it to win it. Um, like I sometimes say, and when you're in it to win it, sometimes you might get burned. You might get burned. You might become a, a little bit of a bag holder. But in this case, I I, I don't think it's the worst chart. You know, y- you're still seeing kind of this leveling area through the sevens and the eights so t- i t- to me that's starting to be the price where i think it's starting to level out you might get a day where it spikes underneath that seven but i don't i, I really think the price here that it's starting to level out is near that seven and eight dollars um that's where i'd kind of pay attention to clov um let's keep rolling through here um i know you don't really care too much about that one chris <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. Aside from the chart for me with Clover, the story is it's they need some new deal announcements, or you you might have to wait until that next earnings report. But that last earnings report was was a disappointment. So story wise, there is not a lot of news there.
0: Choo choo, coming in with TPGY, the D train coming in. What's up? What's up, guys? I, I gotta ask, D train was that from? Dontrell Willis, uh like the actual guy that used to be called D Trade from the Marlins—I don't know. I, we'll, I remember we'll that Dontrell
1: well. Willis, the, you, that exciting oh, wind, you know that it. exciting you know windup. He was a Tiger for a little while too. So yeah, you know, TBGY was one of the stocks I mentioned as a charging infrastructure play, and, and shares were up significantly yesterday. They're they're merging with EV Box. This is the large charging play in Europe. Um, So to me, they, they talked about expansion in the U S what a time if they can get more expansion in the U S with that Biden plan, you know, I, I'm long CHPT and uh, uh, the, the other one Volta charging with SNPR, but I'm liking all these charging plays. I think it's a huge growth area going forward. That that's my thought there. What, what do you think about this chart, Mitch? It's
0: not a bad looking chart. You got one, two, three, four weeks kind of getting that 18 look, um 18 bottom. One of the things we always talk about is when you have those big wicks on the bottom, that's buying pressure, stepping up somewhere I would say in between that 18 and and kind of the 1750s, 17, 17 area. Um, that's where I think the majority of the big buyers have stepped in. And so one, one thing I'd pay attention to is if we could start clearing this high right here from this big bar on December 7th, which is the 24 mark pay attention to that mark. If you get a strong volume through that, then possibly we can get back up there towards that 34. All right, let's keep rolling through here. Got a couple more that we can get into. I am seeing one that was mentioned here. Let me let me find it again. Peso. Peso, I see you, man. NEBC. What's up with this one, Chris?
1: Yeah, NEBC, pulling it up here. Uh, This is Rover. So this is, we actually had the the CEO of Rover on um, Power Hour. To, to do an interview, and you know, this is a play on the pet growth, right? We're seeing more pet ownership through the pandemic. And, and the thing that struck me was, you know, they're they're the largest dog walking company in the country, but the the base of their or their largest portion of their revenue is is actually from the the pets uh sitting and overnight business, right? If you go you know, to work and you need someone to watch your your pets, or if you go, you know, out of town, Rover's the company, you know, helping with that. So I, I liked hearing that from him. As a user of Rover, I am gonna to have to say
0: that definitely this company is on my radar. I actually, I'll be, you know, full disclosure, guys. I got in at nine ninety eight, and then I sold my shares right at nine ninety eight. Um, reason why I just didn't want to stick around through this sideways period time, but I do think I like the company overall. Um, we've talked about it. The travel is going to come back, but travel isn't going to come back in business sense. I think it's going to come back more in a consumer kind of personal travel um, vacations that you're going to see. And because of this, you'll probably see uh, kind of a rover get a, a revenue increase and a boost when when kind of we really start traveling again. So it's definitely on my radar, uh, but there is some competitors in this industry. So be careful there, but definitely the top known one would be Rover here, so definitely going to keep an eye on this one. Uh, let's keep going through here. Uh, seeing mentions of let's see, let's see, what do we got? All right, all right, I got you, John Doe. I'll talk about this one. PIPP. Um, I know this one's cheap right now, so that's why I'll bring it up. Uh, what's up with this one, Chris? Has they mentioned any rumors about this one or anything?
1: I have not seen any rumors. This is one, yeah, 1002. This one looks great. This is a great team, right? We talked about this one all the way back when Biden was first uh you know sworn in. This has got some former, you know, connections and then we also have, you know, some key names from the defense, the government and the aerospace um industries. That's the market that they're targeting. Uh Pine Island acquisition. I have not seen any rumors, but this has been a favorite of mine based on that management team the the share price and then also the target industry you know for growth going forward
0: yeah we'll keep a look on that one joe's talk uh, john's talking about here potential new board member from nasa i'll have chris look into that and in yeah i'll have to that. look
1: into that but that definitely hey if you've got a, a target area of defense aerospace government and all of a sudden you add someone from nasa maybe we see a space acquisition here so you know that's definitely a, a an interesting point thank you for bringing that up I don't remember seeing that anywhere but we'll uh you know definitely uh take a look at that
0: all right all right so let's keep going through here in the comments next one up FCAC here uh mentioned by sambrowski my favorite name out there in the chat shout out shout out uh
1: FCAC here what do you think Chris? Yeah, so FCAC. I actually should have brought this up in headlines. So uh, they're merging with uh, Sharecare. They actually had a new investor present that came out yesterday. I haven't had a chance to dive into it, but it looks like they actually upped their financial projections, which right is a positive compared to these companies that are you know reporting lower than what they uh, estimate. But I own shares of FCAC. To me, this is a you know an uh, emerging health play. But also remember, they're the company that. It is a reopening play, right? They're going to be able to certify these arenas, these concert venues, and say that you know uh, people are safe, they're they're vaccinated, um, you know that the place is clean with that share care program. So to me, I I, I like it, and I am still holding my shares here.
0: All right, all right. I'm gonna go into another one here, being mentioned by someone I think is is kind of concerned about their investment here. Um, but fun name here. Might um, have to go check them out. Painting with a twist out of Coral Way, Miami. I, I know exactly where that is. So definitely I'm gonna give you a shout out here. Um, I used to be down there all the time, Coral Way or Miami Beach. I, I, I miss my, I miss my Miami, but. So to talk about XL here, you know, one of the things that I'd say is that I mentioned is the same thing kind of mentioned that I, I mentioned with Romeo powers is I think there's supply issues here, guys. I think there's demand issues. And, and with that being said, I know that a lot of people are talking about EVs and the, the quick transition, but I think it's going to take years, guys. It's not going to be something that we're going to see in this kind of. Next four months, just massive amounts of EVs just hit the hit the market. So I think, you know, this is one that you got to stick around for the long run. If you kind of got caught, uh, I don't necessarily. I wouldn't say to get rid of it just because I think it can come back. Um, this stock does have some potential, has some partnerships and can come back, but I think it's just going to take a little while for XL fleet, Romeo power. And for that point, uh, I mean, you, you can look at some other ones, Nikola. you can look at Helion, you can, you can mention those all around. And I think, you know, It's going to take a little while for these to really, really start getting that revenue drive. Um, Chris and I were talking about it on the the pre-pre. Look out for Q3. We're we're not really feeling uh, Q2 that much, but Q3, we definitely are feeling a little bit more. Um, We think that we could get the drive back. And if you look at the GDP numbers, it would kind of support this too, because we're looking at the end of the year to really get that growth run. Um, So I'm keeping an eye on these guys. Um, let's keep going through here. Let's see what else we got um, in the chat here. Jay says, XL will never see 10 again. I will take that lunch bet, Jay. <laughs> I will take it. Jay, you're coming back on when that thing's over 10. I'm going to look out for you in the chat, but I'll tell you right now, I'll take that bet any day. day. that it will never see 10 again. Come to my house. I'll take that bet. All right, guys, so let's keep rolling through here. I know we got Power Hour coming on next. It's probably Thursday, so my man Hot Sox Lukes might blow your ears, but hey, stick around for that. Uh, Chris, what do we got coming on next week? Any Any big interviews that you want to kind of preface a little bit?
1: You know, I'd have to look at that calendar, but I know our man, Zoli, has been busy booking lots of interviews. So, you know, guys, you want to stay tuned with us. We just brought you another one today. We're trying to bring you interviews every day that we can. Um, I know that in the future, we we actually have, you know, we talk about these celebrity and these athlete SPAC deals, right? We're going to get an interview with with one of those names, Um, you know, hopefully before anyone else does. I'm not going to tell you the name today. I know I'm excited about it. I know you're excited about it, Mitch. But, you know, yeah, guys, you do not want to miss these these interviews coming up.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I definitely mention is, guys, that we do get love out there, guys. TJ, TJ from... Uh, ad point was definitely hitting us up on twitter over the weekend letting us know how much he appreciates spax attacks coverage and he wants to come back so i'll be working to get that interview back for you guys out there i know that we hit that question a lot in the chat so like always guys smash the like button if you enjoy getting value out of this spax attack team and like always guys there's going to be people that are going to start hating on spax telling us that we're going away but guess what when we come back, we're gonna come back roaring, baby. So if you want to stick around with us, smash the like button, hit that subscribe bell, and it's time for the power hour.
4: Can I, can I, just for a second? Can I I'm sorry, I didn't I don't mean to like uh harsh. harsh. I'm <laughs>
0: not stuck, I was just messing. Okay. <laughs> uh,
4: I just want to clarify something with regards to yes, the, thank the, you, Spencer. the Benzinger Pro Discount Code because uh, Jonathan Mallard was like, I this is a direct quote from Jonathan Mallory. He's like, I was being too cute. So here, there's clearly some confusion on the discount code. Our fault. I'm going to uh, lay it all out there right now. If you enter the discount code YouTube20, lowercase YouTube20, that'll get you, it's over on the screen right there, YouTube20, that'll get you 20% off any Benzinga Pro subscription, any, any tier, any uh, monthly, an annual, an essential, a basic, any, right? I think that 47 number was causing some confusion because it was based on the value of an annual subscription versus a monthly subscription. Too confusing. No more. We're done with that now, okay? YouTube 20 is just straight 20% off anything. Essential, uh, basic, monthly, annual, any combo, 20% off. YouTube 20 all lowercase. That's the new code pro dot YouTube 20. I got it from the man himself, money Mallard. And that's what, that's our story. And we're sticking with it. The race.
1: Guys don't miss out on that code. Like I said, at the start, Benzinga pro, you know, that's where you're getting all these headlines from where you're getting all these movers from these earnings. You, you don't want to miss it. I mean, that's where I get my news from for headlines for the show. Half the time. So Take advantage of a deal like this while it's out wait, there. Wait,
4: wait, wait, wait! Only half. Of, what about what's about the other half? Is what I All right.
1: Have. The other half's up here. It just oh, comes, oh, it comes to me.
4: Oh, oh comes, get it, get comes it right. Comes
1: to me in my in my dreams. Chrysopedia, hard at work, even even while I'm sleeping. Get it right. Don't get Bye. it twisted. <laughs>